This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm curious how you see the failures of the higher education system in that do you believe, you know, the average American child has too much or too little knowledge or just the wrong knowledge? Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's hard to understand why anyone would keep voting for record inflation and skyrocketing crime. Likewise, why would anyone keep funding the left by sticking with big mobile carriers? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they want to make it easy for you to try their service. Give them 60 days to earn your trust. And when you try Patriot Mobile for two months, you get your third month free, plus free activation. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, and they use the same towers as all three of the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. If you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values, support a company that does. Make the switch today and get a free month of service plus free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. And vaccinated and unboosted versus vaccinated plus boosted. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get boosted. But the real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. So that's where we expect if we're going to see a problem this winter. Yeah. Yeah. You recognize that little voice, Dr. Fauci. So if there's going to be a problem this winter, Dr. Fauci says you can blame the unvaccinated will be another bloom that you can blame on the unvaccinated my goodness this dude he is just completely tone deaf and an absolute expert liar and and a lot of people they just swallow so wholesale what he says hey welcome to the dana show it's we're broadcasting today from south texas again the dana show southern command I am Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana. And in case you listen to the broadcast later, like in the weekend or online, uh, this broadcast is for pre-Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 23rd. Got lots of news to share with you today. So there you go. And what they were saying was Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, in his last official press conference, blah, 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 blah. Like, who cares? All I know, I was listening to some of the audio from that press conference. And it descended into chaos because, rightfully so, you had one reporter who got shut down by KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press press person, uh, director, and making sure that, you know, Anthony Fauci only got softballs to hit out of the park. And Fauci's, you know, parroting the same thing he said before. Unvaccinated. You can blame the unvaccinated. You got to get your booster shot. Muchacho, now that we are past the whole COVID thing, don't you think that maybe you should go ahead and start the multi-year clinical trials to figure out things related to myocarditis, you know, the inflammation of the heart that I know I've been told by other doctors that this whole inflammation of the heart, it can happen with pretty much any anything. You got a cold, a little bit of swelling of the heart, something like that. But let's do some real deal data accumulation and share that information worldwide, Europe, U.S., share all that information on what are the effects, what do we know happens after you get the COVID shot. Don't be imposing this damn thing in perpetuity. It's over. 
Even Joe Biden said it. Of course, they probably try to walk that back. This whole COVID thing is over. There he is. You know, if there's a bloom this holiday season, you know, it's going to be a spread thanks to the unvaccinated. Unvaccinated can get it. Unvaccinated can spread it. But what a liar this guy is. You know, on this day that many of us are taking the time, is you know, you guys, if, if you're on the road right now, Head to see a, a family member, maybe go and see grandma for, for Thanksgiving. You guys be safe on the road, uh, tuning in live or maybe recorded version of the Dana show later today. And, and look, I, I'm thankful for uh, friends, family, my, my, my babies, my wife, my family. I'm, I'm thankful for many things. I'm thankful for my, for my friend Dana, Chris, uh, producer Steve, my brother Sugarcane, all, all the gang over the Dana show. And by the way, from, from them to you, uh, safe travels. And a happy Thanksgiving. But at this time, when you guys are probably on the road, going to grandma's and, and thinking, well, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. Maybe it's my turn to say the prayer before dinner. And I mean, I better say thanks to this and thanks to this person. You're probably reflecting on that. I'm, I was thinking, I was looking at this, all the greatest hits from all the, the news cuts and audio for the show. This list, for me, it, it looks like the list of what I'm not grateful for. And I got to say, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci is way up there on the list. Again, in his last you know, press conference, and like, they were all making him out like, oh, you know, the, you know the, the press pope came out and started speaking to us and gave us his blessing before he departs the promised land. It's like, who cares? This guy needs, this guy needs to, he just needs to shut up. What, what else do we have here on Dr. Fauci? Oh, yeah. Cut six, Steve, telling you to get that thing up your nose again. Play that one real quick. First of all, everybody should be vaccinated and boosted with flu and with COVID. Whether or not you wear a mask or another thing we shouldn't underestimate is testing. So when we're gathering at a family gathering for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for any other holiday as we get into the winter, it makes sense that you might want to get a test that day before you come into a place in which you might be infected and spread it or other people just who might zip be it my goodness this guy just needs to go away and i'm glad he is i'm glad this was the final press conference or the much esteemed and and respected and worshiped dr anthony fauci this guy needs to shut up go away and, and wait for his summons from congress under a republican congress next year to come before lawmakers and address point by point all of the medical malpractice that he forced on this country, from masks to all the emergency, it was an emergency, pretty much still emergency vaccine. I mean, we've barely had it for a short amount of time. For all the lies on alternative remedies at the beginning, they probably don't work as well right now. I had another physician here in, in Texas explaining to me that you know, all the, the controversy with the hydroxychloroquine, all that, all that stuff at the beginning. At the, in, at the outset of COVID, he had overwhelming success in tamping down and getting rid of the initial version of COVID. Anyway, all those, all those conversations that come before lawmakers, because he talked about medical malpractice, this dude, Dr. Anthony Fetch, and he needs to answer a bunch of questions, especially when it came to the origin of this virus. I'm, it's just so suspicious to me. I mean, you know what I find most suspicious, and I think I've told you this before as, as I filled in for Dana, is the 
reaction by our government and world governments to the bloom, the initial spread of COVID-19. It, it was, now relatively speaking, in, in labs, and you've, I'm sure you've heard this before, in labs, in these laboratories, like these wartime laboratories, these special research laboratories that the our government and other governments, and I have still no idea why we would allow the Chinese government to have one of these type of war crafting, re-engineering germ labs. And I'm still convinced, and I want to hear from more than just Dr. Fauci, I want him put on the grill, but I want to hear from other experts, because I found it so suspicious that it's these labs that they're the ones that... and. They change up sequencing of DNA, and they change up these pathogens to make them more lethal, weaponize those, those viruses to kill a whole bunch of people for, yes, for war purposes. Used to be the mindset, this, this germ or viral or chemical warfare. They, they, they used to be the, the sick and twisted perspective of, of some of these laboratories. But now they test to see if they can you know, stay a step ahead of some of these viruses and make sure they're countering the deleterious effects, the lethal effects of, of these viruses. But they're, they're changing the function. They're providing a gain of function in these laboratories, in nature. In nature, I, I just find it so suspicious that it evolves. It, yes, it, from season to season, the flu will evolve, and they've got a new vaccine for the next year. But even the flu, as deadly as the flu is, and it is deadly, especially for people that have compromised immune systems and compromised respiratory systems. We're back to a, a, the point now where the flu numbers and COVID numbers are almost as equal as, as we've had time for this COVID wave to go through humanity. Initially, it was so foreign to us. It, it kind of reminded me when Cortez got off those Spanish galleons and, and met the Mayan and the Aztec civilization in Mexico, brought all those pathogens from Europe and spread it all across southern, what is now southern Mexico and, and Central America, and, and just wiped, Lord knows how many thousands of these indígenas, the indigenous people, because they're their, their immune system was not used to all these foreign pathogens. It, it was kind of like that. In nature, we have time to adjust. We get a few people sick, don't we? A few people sick. If people adjust their immune system, and, and you're able to stay a step ahead. It seems that only in laboratories, it would seem to me that only in laboratories do these scientists, do these technicians, they're the ones that are changing the sequencing to provide a gain of function. I have a lot of questions. I hope lawmakers have a lot of questions. I hope lawmakers bring back Dr. Anthony Fauci to sit down and find out where it came from. I'm still convinced it's that Chinese lab. And I don't believe that we should move forward with friendly, diplomatic, you know, chummy relations with China until we get that damn data from that laboratory where it escaped, I believe it escaped from, and we know for sure it did not come from that laboratory. They've been real quiet about that. See, in this last press conference that Dr. Anthony Fauci had, it descended into chaos at the end. It's hilarious. Because one reporter wanted to, wanted to know, hey, Dr. Fauci was asking on the origins. Like, 
you know, what's the follow-up? What can you do? One, probably moving in that direction, asking about the origin and, and the Chinese lab. And KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she shut it down. And there was another reporter in, in the mix, and he sounded like, uh, he was like with African press. He had a very heavy accent to him, and he was trying to defend the other reporter who was there. So, no, he's asking about this. And when, no, you, you shut up as well. No, there's rules and procedures to follow. So much for being this being a genuine press conference with a top expert in our nation who provided all his opinions to our leaders. President Trump, President Biden, his word was science. His word was law. What he said was gospel. Oh, it's science. Brick, science. Brick, science. Everybody parroting the same thing. Dr. Fauci said. And how many times did that goal post move? Everything from six feet away, which was invented. <laughs> it's made up out of thin air, out of whole cloth. The, the mask thing. Eventually found, yeah, it really doesn't work. You put two, three diapers on your face, doesn't matter. All these issues need answers by Dr. Fauci. And Corinne Jean-Pierre just shut down that thing. And the press, indignant, as well they should be. Had, I wish, in a perfect world, I wish that the entire contingent of press in this final press conference by the science god, the incarnation of science itself, Dr. Fauci, when he was pressed on the origins of this thing and the necessary follow-up and putting China's feet to the fire and making sure that we get answers for this, not for the sake of being, well, maybe we could be punitive when it comes you know, to China. Maybe we could be smarter in the way we put last, but to make sure it doesn't happen again. Don't you think? I'd like to prevent that. Because when this thing, when aerosol hit the air and Man, do you remember at the very beginning, we were so afraid of touching everything. I remember some doctors going on and putting YouTube videos saying, when you bring your groceries home, you make sure you put it on a separate surface because maybe you touched it. And maybe when you touch your face, you got to go wash your hands with like 20 different types of soaps for two minutes. It, it, we had no idea why. I still suspect it was because it was an empowered pathogen. I, and this is just a suspicion of mine. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a thinker. I sit back and watch the world. And I've been watching this for almost 30 years from this news radio purge. This sucker hit the airways, hit cruise lines, airplanes, transportation. It just spread like wildfire. And, and it was one of the lesser, uh, lesser lethal, least lethal, and in my opinion, empowered pathogens in that lab that somehow, some way, got out, and we need answers for that in order to prevent it from happening. Can you imagine, because in some of these labs, they empower, they increase the functions of these things to kill up to you know, 70, 80 percent of a population. Imagine if one of those suckers had escaped that lab. We need answers. In a perfect world, I think that the, the press contingent, one after the other, after the other, everyone should have had that original Ask that original reporters asking those questions about the origin. I, I believe every follow-up reporter should have gone back to the original question. I'm not. I'm not asking my question until you answer that. Or I'm going to ask what I thought he was asking about the origin. That's that's in my opinion would have been the ideal press conference. But now they kind of moved on to other topics because some of them wanted to. They want to get some Fauci booty or KJP booty. Just you know, make sure everybody's happy with it. You're listening to The Dana Show.
Happy Thanksgiving. I got some lighter stuff to talk about today. So I'm going to stick around for all these conversations, uh, including, you know, I know inflation is, you know, an issue right now. But I, I brought, um, I want to bring aboard one of my friends in the financial world. And uh, he'll be telling us about uh, how expensive uh, the 12 days of Christmas is. That's later uh, this hour on the program. From her southern command in South Texas, the studios of KURV Talk Radio in McAllen, RGV of Texas. I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show. Hey, folks. Dana Lash here for Recoil Gunworks. Not only do they have competitive pricing, but right now they're giving all of you out there $20 off of any order of $100 or more. And that makes this a great time to stock up before the end of 2022. So visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana, and you can use promo code Dana to receive $20 off of any order of $100 or more. Now, this offer is only good for a short time. And Recoil Recoil Gunworks is your web-based firearms, ammo, and accessories retailer, family-owned. And, of course, they think like you. They're really well-known for their uh, refurbishments, their police trade-in guns, all in great shape. And you can buy now, pay later with no interest. And I said they have competitive pricing. It's also incredibly easy to use. You can search by caliber, weight, application, and brand. Uh, And, of course, they have ammo shipped right to your door where legal, including Illinois, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And you can check out the product restrictions page for further info on all of the state law restrictions. So visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana today, get a full list of products and use promo code Dana to receive $20 off of any order of $100 or more. Whether you need it in the woods or on the range, Recoil Gunworks gets it there fast. Right now get $20 off when you use promo code Dana on any $100 order or more at recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. That's recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. This is The Dana Show, reporting to you from her southern command in South Texas, from the studios of KURV Talk Radio in deep South Texas. You keep driving a little further south, you make it to Mexico. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Appreciate you joining us today. And, hey, stick around. Got a conversation with a financial friend of mine, Bill Dendy, on inflation, your money, where a safer money might be. I know some nest eggs are really small, but we'll have some fun. You know, it's already, you know, Thanksgiving for some of y'all, the holdouts. Like, right now is the official start of the Christmas final approach, right? Yeah, those trees better be going up nationwide right now. Uh, Bill and I, we talked about the 12 days of Christmas. All that stuff, like the, uh, the, um, um, uh, Maids of Milking and the Partridge and the Pear Tree and all that stuff, the Gold Rings, all that stuff, like, way up this year as well. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. All right, Steve, well, let's do some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Right, speaking of inflation, U.S. Farm Bureau this week saying 14% increase in the Thanksgiving meal. Basic ingredients like the turkey, the stuffing, maybe a side dish. I'm thinking of pumpkin pie. Maybe everybody's drinking water. I read the uh, 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 expanded report on the U.S. Farm Bureau. They said that the average meal is costing like $65 for 10 people. Man, that's a steal, don't you think? 65 bucks for 10 people? Man, everybody better be eating in this year. Uh, NFL announcing uh, Hall of Fame semifinalists. Some of the names mentioned DeMarcus Ware, Heinz Ward, 
Uh, they announced the finalists on February 9th. From her Southern Command in South Texas, I'm Sergio Sanchez. This is The Dana Show. Black Rifle Coffee Company is helping you knock out your holiday shopping. If you have a coffee lover on your shopping list, Black Rifle has the best coffee brewing gear, thermoses, mugs, and apparel, all designed for folks who love America. Stuff your stockings with all of the highest-grade American roasted coffee and become a holiday hero by joining the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Set your coffee delivery schedule to your exact preferences, and it arrives at your door with no shipping fees. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. Looking for a patriotic gear and apparel for your friends and family? Be sure to check out all of Black Rifle's new clothing designs. Veteran-founded and run, Black Rifle Coffee Company takes pride in serving Serving coffee and culture to people who love America, and each purchase you make helps support veteran and first responder causes. Head over to BlackRifleCoffee.com/Dana to find my favorites and get all of the best merch, coffee, and apparel in time for the holidays. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com/Dana. BlackRifleCoffee.com/Dana. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. The people who every single day get up, they never get paid enough for what they do. They have been dealing with all the anxieties and the aftershocks and after effects of COVID for children, including the mental health crises. They've been teaching kids to read for years. Randy Weingarten. Yeah, the voice, face of all things teachers union in this country. Hey, welcome to the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana. Happy Thanksgiving. You guys have safe travels if you're on the road. So I started this hour of the program with some audio cuts. It's like the greatest hits of all things that I'm not grateful for. <laughs> One of them was Dr. Fauci. And, and now we got Randy Weingart. She's all complaining and all the teachers suffering so much dealing with the children. Man, all I remember is teachers' union leadership in this country in various states across the nation. Randy Weingart, in this incestuous relationship with the federal government, all these lefties in control, telling, hey, keep it closed. Keep it shut down. Don't open the campus. And, and, and if I remember correctly, some unions on California, they were refusing to go back. Teachers, well, we don't feel safe. We're not going back. The kids stayed home because of these teachers' unions. They stayed home much longer than they should have because, in large part, these teachers' union, Randy Weingart, and getting in bed with these politicians saying, no, don't send them back. Don't, you know, we don't feel safe. Uh, we need, and I remember in California, there was a story. Go look for it. We need concessions. We need more money. Oh, and by the way, here's a list of, of things that we need before we go back to the classroom. We need money for this, money for that, money for that. We need pay pay increase. Oh, and by the way, while you're at it, get rid of competition, get rid of charter schools. <laughs> Seizing on that opportunity. Yeah, that's another name on this day. We're supposed to be thankful for a lot of things and reflecting on it. I, I'm just going to get the, on this day, I'm going to get some of the names that I'm not thankful for. That would be, like I said, Dr. Fauci. And teachers' unions who uh, represent the same ideas that Randy Weingarten represent. Hey, stick around. I've got some great conversation, a lot of the day's news for you today, including a conversation later in the show on Artemis One 
and the moon mission. We got this um, empty Artemis capsules full of dummies, like telemetry dummies, spinning the moon, spin, 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 and it's going to come back like in two, three weeks and splash down. So they're gathering information on sending Americans, sending people back to the moon here pretty soon. Uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Tom Jones, who's got several books and good stocking stuffers, look him up online when we get a chance. Do the Duck Duck Go thing. Don't do the Google. Don't give. Don't don't give Google. Your eyeballs. Do duck duck go. Let's get some competition going in this search and stuff. Dr. Tom Jones is a NASA astronaut, and you know I love talking about this stuff. That'll be later in the show, maybe the or last conversation of the program on this expanding effort uh, by NASA and Elon Musk over at SpaceX. All the nerds down the street from me, by the way. When that lander, that moon lander, that rocket, that big old spaceship. It's being tested right here in my backyard, just down the street in Brownsville. Good afternoon, hug and kiss to all the SpaceX crew just down the street there at Boca Chica Beach in Brownsville. So we got NASA and SpaceX and, and other folks involved in developing a, a moon base and then hop skip to Mars after that. That, that moon base is going to be like an international effort as well, like a community, international community. So that conversation is coming up later in the program. So I need to get to your money because I got a long conversation. Yeah, you know, everything's more expensive this year. And we'll parse that into a fun conversation on how the 12 days of Christmas are fun as well, or more expensive as well. Here's my conversation with Bill Dendy. I'm thankful for this dude, Bill Dendy, financial advisor from North Texas. How are you, Bill? Can hardly wait for tomorrow's Thanksgiving feast. And I love this holiday. I mean, we got so much in this country to be thankful for. Amen. And I'm grateful that we take a day to praise it. Well, I called you to have a fun conversation with you about the 12 days of Christmas and all the different items, how they're more expensive this year. But let's talk about real stuff. You know, the pumpkin pie, the turkey and tamales and everything else that we're going to be enjoying for Thanksgiving. There was a U.S. Farm Bureau reports at 14% increase in all the ingredients for Thanksgiving. But just want to get your quick thoughts on people tightening their belts, which I think is just going to make the whole issue of a recession even worse. We're likely looking at a tapping of the brakes, a slowdown of the economy early next year. So what are you telling folks who work with you as a financial planner and they have retirement accounts and these nest eggs and those nest eggs are even smaller compared to a couple of years back? What are you telling folks that you're working with? Well, for one, Jerome Powell promised us some pain. He said they were raising interest rates and they're going to raise interest rates aggressively to fight inflation. And inflation's a big burden to us. So fighting inflation is probably a good thing to do. But he said that it's going to be painful because he's slowing down the economy. By raising interest rates, the cost of carrying debt goes up. And that's like a one-two punch for the consumer that was already experiencing these 20% increases in costs that they buy every day. And if their salaries didn't go up by 10 or 20%, but the cost of things they're buying did go up by 10 to 20%, they've got a problem. And that many of them live pretty much maximizing everything they come bring in, they're spending. So if things cost 10 to 20% more, a lot of people turn to credit card debt or getting into their savings to make ends meet so they can sustain their lifestyle. Well, now the cost of the debt is going up. So that if you carry that debt or yep. you go over the holiday season and pull on the credit cards and plan to pay it off, it's going to cost more than it did last year or cost more than cost in 20 years to carry debt. And that's going to really wake people up to the fact that they're going to have to do some serious 
cutting of expenses and separate those needs from their wants. And you're exactly right. When everybody starts to do that at the same time, come January, February, we're going to feel that jolt of a sudden slowdown in the economy, reconciliation that has to be done, and it'll probably be January, February. Yeah, trillions in monopoly money by the federal government, to all that extra money flooding the market, not enough goods out there. But man, that hangover is going to be a nasty one. How long do you, th- do you think we will enjoy this pain? 18 months, 24 months, or what's... Uh, you can remember 2008 and in 2000 when the market dropped 40 to 50 percent and they send you one news story after another with a person who was just fixing to retire and now they can't because they only have half the money they did before. The first part of that lesson is as we approach life events, we should not have all of our money in the market because the market can break our hearts at any time. It's No one expected the market to go straight up. We know it's a rough ride. The problem is we forget. We get complacent, especially when we have so many years of abundance. And so I think a lot of people got probably more aggressive than they than they thought they were. They, they weren't uh, uh, paying attention to the risk they were taking because the results were so good. Um, I believe in the long-term strength of our U.S. economy and our consumer. I believe that the long-term trajectory is good. And if Jerome Powell does it the way they hope to do it, we're going to tap the brakes on this thing. It's going to be painful for a few people, but the majority are going to benefit from the decrease in demand, which will put a uh, kind of a lasso on the price increases and slow down that runaway increases. The challenge is that it's not an exact science and the results oftentimes take so long to see the results of your inputs that uh, they might be overdoing it. And that's what some economists are fearing, that we are uh, having raised interest rates by over 3% in just a few months, which is so aggressive. We haven't seen that in over 40 years. Um, that type of increase may actually uh, wreck us. And if that happens, uh, there will be the rebuilding. It may take a couple of years uh, before we can get our feet un- under us again. But if it happens the way the Fed would like to see it happen, if we have this soft landing, we're talk- and that's the reason the market's so schizophrenic right now. When you're like, it's way down, it's way up, it's way down, it's way up, it's because <laughs> it can go either way from here. It's just people betting, putting money in there, and then taking it out, profiting it real quick. Bill Dendy, financial advisor from North Texas, is my guest. You mentioned aggressive investment. You know, first thing I thought when you said that, crypto. And with the FTX crash of late, I want to get your quick thoughts on crypto and if it should be a part of anyone's portfolio at all. My quick assessment is, heck no. I don't want any of my money in crypto. It's fantasy money. It's speculation. I'd much rather bet in Vegas than bet on crypto. Just want to get your thoughts on crypto. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people are feeling the way you're feeling right now. And those who were believers to have their beliefs shattered. I mean, uh, who's surprised? I mean, a highly unregulated, uh, mysterious currency that can be created but uh, never destroyed and blocked. I mean, there's a lot of things that you say could have gone wrong here that it looks like for one company anyway, it did go wrong. But I will say that there is a, a blessing to the world in blockchain technology. The technology behind cryptocurrency can do so much if it is ever to realize its full potential in uh, reconciliations uh, for banks, for controlling audits, for a large part of what CPA firms do uh, to provide an audit trail that is very solid, uh, almost ironclad, for the underlying technology and those makers of the underlying technology that made cryptocurrency possible. 
they're not dead. The cryptocurrency debacles and the fraud potentially may find yeah. fraud in, in this area. <laughs> Unregulated new areas, it happens a lot. But for those who are investing in the technology behind it, they may still see this technology evolve to be yeah. something major and, and life-changing. I kind of agree with you. It's not regulated, and I don't like regulations. I like unregulated things, but when you're creating a currency that uh, doesn't have any strong oversight, uh, that's a challenge. But the government's getting more involved, and people are demanding more yeah, answers, and it may actually become more viable because of the disruptions we're seeing right well, now with some of the fraud that's and, taking place. And, kind of like in the 1930s with uh, securities. Uh, securities now are in almost everybody's portfolio, but it took a little bit of the 33 and 34 Securities Act to give consumers protection because of abuses that made it possible. We may see the same thing with crypto. Well, that's why they exist. That's why all the re- regulations and these bodies, governmental bodies that oversee and audit all these investment products and banking products, is because they reacted to human nature a century ago. Bill Dendy, financial advisor, joining me on the program. Metals, minerals. I'm looking at the 12 days of Christmas, the list of all these things. Let's say if you wanted to purchase the, they say it's 360-plus gifts, and that little song, on the 12 days of Christmas, all that, you'd need like 197-plus thousand bucks to buy all that. They say it's almost 10% more than last year. And one of those items is probably the only one I would want. It's the five gold rings, Forty, almost 40% more expensive now. What does that say to you? Minerals, metals, gold, silver. The market is still bullish on that, right? The price of that will reflect what's taking place on the inflationary market and all the fake money that's out there. These minerals should continue to rise, right? Uh, It's kind of interesting that when we have times of uh, economic or political chaos, the whole world seems to go to the metals as a store of value. And for over 3,000 years, uh, metals have been a medium of exchange and a store of value. So it's not real surprising to see them. In fact, the bigger surprise is that we haven't seen more of a move when we had the war in the Ukraine and economic turmoil and the risk of the uh, raising the allowed government debt. I mean, all these things tend to make people go to the metals. We haven't seen yeah. as much of it as we might have would okay. have in the past. When we're in a high inflation environment, the hard assets do well. And it's not just the precious metals, but the industrial metals, copper, aluminum, lithium, they've all moved over this time period because the cost of materials has gone up so much. And chickens and meat on the hoof, all these things have gone up. Oh, speaking and, uh, of, yeah, right? Speaking of, Bill Dendy, financial advisor. I'll close with this, Bill. Blame Putin or the avian flu? I don't know. The one partridge in that pear tree up 25%. That sets back 280 bucks. Two turtle doves, 600 bucks for that. Like, who who wants up 33%? French hens, mmm, that sounds like a delicious dinner. Three of them up 25%. And six geese a laying. Somebody would need to pay 720 bucks for that. It's almost 10% higher. And the swans, seven swans a swimming. Over thirteen thousand bucks. That number's unchanged. But who would who would want to buy something like that? I, I don't know. The, the swans taste that good when you cook them. Anyway, Bill, thank you and happy Thanksgiving, brother. Keep in touch, and I'm hoping for you have a prosperous uh, next year, 2023. God bless you. And you know, the maids of milking are still a deal. But God bless you. I'll <laughs> What's talk the price on that? Great, great holiday season. It's only fifty eight bucks for the eight maids of milking. 
why was it like one hour at minimum wage? Minimum wage, You're minimum right. wage, and that hasn't gone up since two thousand nine. That's true. That's what it federal is. Federal minimum wage. Is so the maids and milking are the best deal on that. Okay, list. man. I don't know what we're going to do with them, but you know. Be safe, Bill. Be safe, Bill. Have a great Thanksgiving, Bill Dendy, financial advisor, North Texas. And a happy Thanksgiving to you and all your crew. You guys be safe on the road. Probably a lot of people listening to the Dana Show right now, traveling across the nation's highways. You guys be safe out there. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and for my friend Dana Lash, we're reporting to you from her southern command in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm curious how you see the failures of the higher education system in that do you believe, you know, the average American child as they're as they're growing up has too much or too little knowledge or just the wrong knowledge. That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately that like yeah. I, I do, you know, the liberal arts approach. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and for my buddy Dana Lash, and we're broadcasting to you from South Texas, still on blessed soil. We're broadcasting to you from Texas. She's in North Texas. I'm in South Texas. And let me share a bit more of the news of the day I found real interesting. Uh, this one, I, I'm trying to negotiate. I, I'm wondering what, where they're going with this, because you know how they keep saying triple-demic, right? The triple-demic is all viral, right? It's flu, virus, COVID, virus. And RSV, the virus. And by the way, thank you to all our faithful listeners on the Dana Show. There's one nice man. Oh, I should have mentioned this earlier. I apologize. Uh, if you want to say hi uh, to me specifically on Twitter at Sergio Talk, at Sergio Talk, I had a nice uh, man, a, a listener, reached out and said, Hey, Serge, you mentioned there was a RSV vaccine. There is no RSV vaccine. And then I sent, I sent, I sent a message back to him. I couldn't find. <laughs> The message for so if you're listening right now, hey, thanks for the heads up. You're right. Uh, there is no vaccine. There might be soon, but I know I know that there was a treatment provided to newborn babies because my my little one, my, he's ten years old. When he was a baby, because of cystic fibrosis, he was given that that treatment. It's a type of a prophylactic. It was something that's given to help immune the immune system uh, ward off RSV. And that's the that's the triple demic. And yes, there there might be an RSV vaccine soon, but there is a treatment out there, and I, I forget the name of it. But yeah, it is given to kids that are sensitive. Either way, so the tri the triple demic that some of the medical community are concerned about is flu, COVID, and RSV. But then comes this headline, and they're tying the triple demic to a shortage in children's antibiotics. The only thing that I can think. Uh, of this, to make of this, is that maybe antibiotics are being dispensed by like night clinics and pediatricians like way too much at the moment as kids are coming in with sniffles and congestion and you know runny noses and cough and, and all in, instead of confirming that it's a viral infection or I'm sorry, confirming a bacterial infection. There's a shortage of children's antibiotics, again, bacteria, not the virus due to what some in the medical community say is the triple-demic. Well, antibiotics is for bacteria, <laughs> and, and the triple-demic is viral. It has nothing to do with it. Either way, CDC commenting saying that we're seeing a high number of, or a very high number 
of states right now dealing with triple-demic you know, evidence and triple-demic conditions. So maybe pharmacies and some of these primary providers are providing amoxicillin and augmentin that is meant to treat like ear infections, throat infections, sinus infections. They see that red ear, red throat, and they're thinking it's bacteria, but they can't seem to pin down what it is. So we have a shortage of kids' antibiotics as a result of all these kids getting the sniffles. So you just make sure they wash their hands going to grandma's. Thanks for joining us on The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez reporting to you today from her Southern Command in South Texas. In new court filings tonight, that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So, in other words, not Mr. or Ms. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Because what, the non-binary gender individual who clearly would be a member of the LGBTQ community, and I know there's other letters on there. I just don't remember what they are. I apologize. I'm being serious with you. I'm tempted to say X, Y, Z, but I don't want to be flipping about this because real people got hurt at that Club Q nightclub shooting a few days back. Hey, welcome to Hour 2 of the Dana Show. I am Sergio Sanchez, and for my friend Dana, we're broadcasting to you, the nation, the world, and online, the podcast, everything else, from South Texas, KURV Radio. It it's uh, on Twitter. If you want to say hi, it's at Sergio Talk. And I'm hearing this woman from CNN. I recognize her voice. I, Costello, I forget what her name is. Uh, she's saying, I don't know what to say about that. Non-binary gender. Yeah. Actually, I, I suspect that I know what you do want to say about that. I, I, just, I could just see some of these assignment editors and news directors and copywriters and reporters just waiting for the first evidence, a little bit, a little smidgen of evidence that the individual that went into Club Q, a gay nightclub, was, you know, I think they want to say was a gay hater, a homophobe, maybe even a Bible-thumping, obviously gun-toting, mega hat wearing individuals so, so to help their narrative and attack everybody who's a conservative and you know loving people who are gay I, I, I love I have family who are homosexual and I love them dearly I just and it'd be remiss on my part as a Christian and believer not to tell them son um, you you really need to surrender your life to the Almighty, surrender to Christ, and understand that this is not the purpose for your life. It would it'd be like seeing, seeing my loved ones in the middle of the street, and there's an 18-wheeler barreling at them from behind at you know, 70 miles per hour, and not tell them, warn them, that this life is fleeting and passing and quite short in perspective. When you put it in perspective, when you, when you compare it to what is eternal, and, and some of these uh, young people, you know, for whatever reason, and, and, and I know the personal reasons behind this, you know, their, their father and, you know, just fatherless home and lack of guidance, lack of proper doctrine and instruction, understanding of their, their purpose, 
not only in this one life, but in, in eternal life for, for that matter. Either way, I, get off that soapbox. I, I just, you know, for, for those of y'all, and, and I know that for, for the Thanksgiving dinner, you, you got to make peace and just love on people and just do that. But, you know, when I heard this reporter from CNN say, I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, talk about being too quick to judge the other side and call them homophobes. I, I don't fear anybody who's gay. That's, that's, a, that's a term that's been used for two decades now to, to label, uh, unfairly label, uh, blacklist, attack anyone who does not believe in the homosexual lifestyle and believes that that is a sin. And they're on the road to eternal perdition. I mean, th that is my point of view. It always has been, always will, because I know who my Redeemer is, and I want that Redeemer to be the Redeemer for all these people to find their purpose in life. But in this one life that they live, one life that they live before facing eternity, I hope that they're, that they're happy, and I hope that they're able to work, and no one attacks them physically or any other way, and that I, I pray that their eyes be open, their spirit be open sometime down the road. Yeah, I know what the left wants. I know who they want to attack. Anyway, that's, this is my, my two cents on that. On this day that you guys are driving around the nation, you guys probably headed to Grandma's house and tuning into the Dana Show. Lord knows where you guys are. Y'all be safe out on the road. I, I was looking at all the news cuts uh, for today, almost all of them. <laughs> and I was telling producer Steve, almost all the news cuts here are um, um, the best of uh, top hits of all the people I'm not grateful for. On this road trip, you're probably taking, thinking of all the things you are grateful for, the people you're grateful for, all the things in your life and blessings. Yeah, there's several individuals that, man, I think our country, our community, I think we'd be better off if they were doing something else for a living. I don't want them to be dead. I don't want them to be hurt. I just want them to do something else for a living. Like Dr. Fauci, I said last hour. Here's another gem. Yeah, some of the gang over CNN, too. You guys need to do something else for a living. And uh, the new CEO is taking care of that, by the way, kicking, kicking them out of there. Yeah, here's a gem. It's, it's cut to Steve-O, if you want to play uh, this uh, next one. I individuals I'm not grateful for, at least in the, the job that they do or not do. Cut to. Well, as the Steve. president said, he intends to run, and um, if he does, I will be running with him. And I have no doubt about the strength of the work that we have done over these past two years. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a very strange. It's just uh, the way she speaks. It's it, Kamala Harris, obviously the vice president. And that, like a false vibrato in her voice. What does he do? I, I can't stand hearing too much of her. Um, she says Biden's going to run again. She's going to run with him. Are you sure? Because I think they still have a nomination process to go through. They have a primary season to go through. Joe Biden, Lord help him. Lord, please save the man. Give him some wisdom. Wake that dude up. He's constantly walking half asleep all the time. Joe Biden, our, our president right now. Lord save him. Give him some wisdom. Uh, Joe Biden still needs to make it to the end of 23 and officially say, I'm running. I'll, I'll be on the ballot for all your different primaries all, all across the country. You sure you're running with him? Because I, I don't think that's up for you to choose. I think that'd be for Joe Biden to, to determine. Or let's say, Joe, you know, maybe by next summer, down the road somewhere, he finally gets it. And maybe, 
maybe uh, Mrs. Biden, who should have done our country the huge favor and warned us about how short of attention, short of competence, this man was before he grabbed the steering wheel of this big, great pink Cadillac that is the United States of America, and now we're trying to take the keys away from him driving this country into the ground, continue to drive this country into the ground. Did Grandpa tell you already, or is he going to remember in six months and 12 months that he told you you're going to run with him again? Because if he doesn't make it to the end of 23, man, you think that the Republican field for presidential candidates is going to be huge, and it probably will be. Uh, of course, Donald Trump already announced, but most of the major campaigning is about eight, nine, ten months away, right? Got to get well into 23. And between here and there, we got legislative sessions in Florida, for example. You need to clear that. And maybe Ron DeSantis will announce. We got Mike Pompitas, Mike Pompeo. He might be running former Secretary of State. You got Nikki Haley. And the list goes on and on. It should be a spirited conversation on the Republican side for the nomination for president. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I will vote for him again if he's a candidate. Absolutely. There's no way I'll be voting for Joe Biden or a clone, which could be Governor Gavin Goodhair Newsom, could be the, the mini tyrant in the state of Michigan. You guys deserve Gretchen Whitmer, the witch Whitmer, some people called her on the right. You guys deserve You voted her back into office. You guys obviously forgot uh, the many tyrant, the iron-fisted approach to COVID, only allowing you to go to Walmart, go get your milk and bread, and don't go to the fishing section, don't go to the sporting goods section, or don't go to the toy section. Don't, no, you do as I say. Many tyrant, these power-hungry, iron-fisted individuals like Gretchen Whitmer, oh, they're grooming her to be the... Uh, a presidential candidate. It's, it's, it promises to be a huge field on the Democrats. A very interesting polit political season that we're in. So, yeah, Kamala Harris, these so-called borders are, right? These so-called... You know, I would propose, and I, I wish that this would be true, that when given a title, for example, like borders are, Kamala Harris, and looking at the Biden border mess that we have all across the southwest border, it is an open border, completely. When people come across the border illegally, they're able to stay in this country. They're gaming the asylum system to the tune of hundreds of thousands, millions so far under the Biden administration. This, I propose that politicians, politicos, be paid based on the title that they are granted. Joe Biden gave Kamala Harris's border czar the title. Man, I, I think... We should withhold the paycheck for Kamala Harris on a monthly basis because she ain't doing nothing on the border, not, not enforcing border law, not turning back illegal immigrants, not protecting America from the entry of illegals who are evading capture by Border Patrol, the getaways, as they call them. All these, you know that they're more than likely to a, a high index, a high degree. They're probably criminals because they go above and beyond to try to avoid Border Patrol. All these criminals entering the country. Child rapists. We had a press release just a couple of days back, a couple of child rapists being taken into custody here in, on the Texas border. You got Al-Qaeda, you got cartel individuals, you got Texas prison gangs, all these people that are, have murder convictions were kicked out of the country, they're coming back in. They got aways by the thousands, by potentially the millions. Yeah, it is in the millions that got away. But I'm saying that the number in those gotaways, I, I believe that they index real high. The number of actual criminals 
felons who are coming back in the country, that, that is a national security concern. And with a so-called borders or Kamala Harris not doing her job, man, how I wish we could just withhold that paycheck until she actually does something about securing the border. Uh, more of these individuals, I'm not grateful for it. This doesn't say anything about their humanity, because I'm sure their mom and dads love them. I'm sure their family, their kids love them. I'm sure their lovers love them as well. But I just wish they were doing something else for a living. The next one, talk about the border. Here's a, a, a gem of a brilliant statement from KJP. Cut four, Steve-O, from KJP, Green Jean-Pierre. He brought 20 leaders together to collaboratively manage the immigration challenge impacting the whole Western Hemisphere. And uh -huh. we're stopping fentanyl before it even makes it to the streets <sighs> of really? the United States. So we okay. have a plan. We've been putting that forward. So we got thousands of Americans that are dying from OD on, ODing, is that a word, on fentanyl. So they're not really dying from uh, a fentanyl overdose then? Is that what Corinne Jean-Pierre is saying? So I guess, uh, you know, as they say, guns kill people, right? Or in, in some cases, some reports years back, you know, SUV ran over, really an SUV? Like a gang of SUVs ran over, killed a bunch of people? Uh, a, a gang or a troop of AR-15s going around town just indiscriminately shooting people? Is that what's taking place? Is that how they're dying? Fentanyl is a poison. It's all over American streets. The cartels in Mexico are making money hand over fist, eluding Border Patrol, eluding border authorities, and getting that crap to the streets, and Americans are dying. And that's another national security issue. So, yeah, I'll put Karine Jean-Pierre, another individual I'm definitely not grateful for. Again, nothing against her personally, but his business. Go do something else for a living. You're not helping. You're not blessing our country in any way. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to The Dana Show, broadcasting today from her affiliate studios, KURV, in South Texas. If you'd like to say hello, you can use Elon Musk's new Twitter uh, toy at Sergio Talk. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's The Dana Show. My administration has been working to provide student debt relief to millions of working and middle-class families across the country. But Republican special interests and elected officials sued to deny this relief, even for their own constituents. But I'm completely confident my plan is legal. Uh, yeah, I got more to say about that here in a little bit on, on headlines. Because I, mean, I thought the whole thing about forgiving debt and kicking the can down the road as far as payments. It was all COVID-related, right? COVID's over. It's over. It's gone. He even he said. Anyway, I'll say more about that here in a little bit. Uh, welcome to the Dana Show, Hour 2 of the program. I'm Sergio Sanchez and reporting to you from South Texas, the Southern Command for the Dana Show, a bit of in-house information. Uh, you might want to check uh, Daily Wire. There's a write-up that features Dana, a comment from, from Dana, uh, Dana Torching, uh, Nine Inch Nails front man, says, oh, I'm planning to quit Twitter. Trent Reznor, uh, Dana Lash torching him online because he started biatching, whining, complaining, I'm about to depart. We don't need arrogance of the billionaire class to feel like we can just come in and solve everything. And Anyway, Dana, and, and look at the article, uh, Dana torching him online, planning to quit 
FFS, she puts. And knowing Dana, I have to, I have to look that up, that acronym up. Uh, I'll say it uh, gently. For, for freak's sake, the attention-seeking drama. He made some great music, but he's just an industrial Karen. When he's not biatching about women or God, it's the man. Anyway, right up on Daily Wire on Dana torching uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. All right, Steve, well, let's do some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Yeah, the White House extending the student loan repayment pause, uh, people not having to pay back uh, their student loan. They were supposed to start again in in January. They kicked this can down into next summer, June 30th, is when they reconsider people having to pay back their student loans. And James Cameron, director James Cameron, is in the news. He's got this big movie, Avatar, The Way of Water. He says in order to make money on this thing, it The Way of Water, Avatar, needs to be the third or fourth highest grossing film in movie history in order to break even. That means it's got to beat his movie, Titanic, to come in third and, and make dollar one profit. It's, they say it's three hours long. I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know what I'm looking forward to seeing at the movie theater? is The Chosen. Did you know that? It came in third at the box office this past weekend, and it's only episode one and two of the next series. Go look for it, The Chosen. This, this thanks you some good movies at the movie theater. It's National Espresso Day, National Eat a- Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's The Dana Show. Uh, whether it be HIV AIDS, Ebola, or COVID-19, for close to four decades and under seven Republican and Democratic presidents, Dr. Fauci has always led with the science and our country is stronger and healthier because of his leadership. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House mouth. Read script carefully. Read scripts slow and carefully. Pronounce, enunciate properly. They understand the lie that you're telling. Yeah, stronger, healthier. <laughs> Supply chain problems. All the overspending, inflation. Kids are dumber, emotionally scarred. Where do we go next? Oh, yeah. And trust in science and the doctors. Blown to smithereens by... Dr. Fauci and company, his, his crew and response, and, you know, they were, he especially, he was the embodiment of science. He is science. Science is imperfect. Science is always learning, always changing. It's never settled. You know, one thing that really bugs me, welcome to hour two of the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and from my buddy Dane, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. You know, one thing that really bugs me, and this kind of goes back to the initial monologue, and some other notes I, I had here at the start of the program. It's lazy, woefully, dangerously lazy journalism in this country. So once a politician says it's the science is settled, you know, Al Gore, global warming, you gotta keep questioning Muchacho. The mark of a great journalist, of great reporters who do their profession and our community, our country the favor of keeping us informed is by them pressing the issue and never accepting anything as being settled. 
We stopped doing that. Lord knows when we stopped doing that a long time ago in journalism. The, the science has settled on global warming. We got this religion and many people in leftist press corporate media carrying the water on this science that has been settled when it comes to global Science is always pushing the boundaries, doing more research, doing more clinical trials, doing more laboratory experiments. And that goalpost constantly moves as we learn more about the function of life and all the different instruments of life, whether it be organs or cells or the environment or space, physics. We learn something new all the time. That's why we have the Nobel Prizes. For breakthrough stuff that we didn't know back then, we do know now, and now we're rewarding it. It's constantly ebbing and flowing and changing. It's never settled. And yet, Dr. Fauci, the embodiment of science, the science is settled. Do as I say. Kneel before him. My goodness, I can't wait till they drag this guy before Congress to answer all the questions that we have, especially when it comes to the origin of this this COVID mess. I bet you it was that Chinese lab. And we need, we need to hold China accountable or else. We don't need to be doing all this business with China. Let me share with you a conversation I had with an economist friend of mine looking at the cost of gas going into this holiday season. And the other big story of the week that, um, in, case, in case you missed it, that, that rail strike that was averted, you know, before the election and was kicked down the road to you know, early December because Joe Biden came in as a savior. And I told last time I, I filled in for Dana, I was talking about this. Uh, it, White House got all involved and got some trade representatives all because they knew they were going to kick this thing down the road. December 6th is the next drop dead date for that potential rail strike. Here's my conversation with Tim Snyder, economist with MatadorEconomics.com. Let me go to my friend Tim Snyder from MatadorEconomics.com. Looking at the price of gasoline, Tim, retreating the past several days. Let's start there. What's going on as far as the slightly cheaper gasoline? There's two issues that are at play right now, Sergio. The first issue is a rising concern in China and decreasing demand again over the COVID virus. They've got a They've got uh, cases that they're not able to control their, the spread in China right now, and that's weighing on demand uh, and long-term demand because they're, they're not only concerned about China, but if this spreads throughout Southeast Asia and across the globe again, you know, we have some issues. That's always going to be something that's a touchy spot for us. And the second issue is the, is the value of the U.S. dollar. <coughs> Excuse me. When you have a strong U.S. dollar like we have right now, it's 107 and some change uh, on the index uh, versus other currencies. It makes U.S. delineated commodities like corn and cotton and crude oil and gasoline and diesel and all those kinds of things more expensive to buy if you buy the U.S. commodities. So it's a it's a, a trade issue and the price of a commodity like crude oil and gasoline goes opposite of the yeah. value of the dollar. So we really don't want to have a super strong U.S. dollar. Okay. Why are we so strong when everything is so screwed up, though, Tim? Explain to working people why we are so strong and why Europe is so messed up. I'm guessing it's because they're way over leveraged compared to the U.S., and we are way over leveraged. But Europe must be out of the ballpark crazier than we are. 
But, you know, it all comes down, Sergio, to one primary driver, and that's stability. And the U.S. is more stable, believe it or not, even with uh, with the Biden administration, we're more stable than the EU is. We're more stable than what's going on in China. You know we're more stable than anything, in, specifically in Europe with the Russians and the Ukraine and everything else that's going on there. Um, I wrote this yesterday in my daily brief. One of the things that concerns me the most here is the alliance that we're seeing between China, Russia, and India, and, you know, it's the world's two most populous, China and India nations, plus the Russians, and the economic power that they could have, and they're very disruptive, so they're kind of like a corrosive in the economic world, and the United States is that little shining spot on the hill, and that's the reason why our commodities shop which begs the politically existential question if we're so stable which when when i hear that all i hear is the full faith and credit of the american people right. forget the government it's it's our people our work ethic our commitment to be free to prosper to profit why don't more countries <laughs> imitate copy paste the american model in their own backyard for the sake of their own Prosperity. I, it's madness to me, brother. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just send our workforce or our unwanted people to America and let them figure it out over there. Tim Snyder, sure. MatadorEconomics.com. I wanted to ask you about the potential rail strike. You think these dudes are really going to call a strike on December 6th? I'm scared to death that they're going to really call a strike on December 6th, and they want to do it because they're, you know, they're angry. And I, I hate to say this, but I get it. And they've been played, and they're tired of being played. And it's going to bleed into the trucking on uh, the trucking side because it's going to put undue pressure on them. But let me give you a couple of figures because I think this is important. You know, rail, the railroads handle forty percent of the freight in the in the United States. That leaves sixty percent for trucks and all that kind of stuff. We're already in a tight spot on trucks. So if we stop the rail, we're in a mess. If we have a strike for just one month, will cost as much as seven hundred thousand jobs at a cost of $2 billion a day to the U.S. economy, Sergio. And that's, those are things that, that people need to be very wary of. We were told back in September, October, that President Biden had settled the railroad conundrum and had, they'd settled that strike. Yeah. When the, it got put off until after the election, the discussion about this, and now all of the major railroad unions have turned down that contract. The 700 plus, almost 800,000 jobs you mentioned, $2 billion cost uh, to the economy. Yes, sir. How do you calculate something like that? What, what Can you explain? Economic impact. It's, what we look at is the value of goods and services in, in the U.S. that are moved by, you know, that 40% are moved by rail. And that's where that figure comes from. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, I'm not going to say it's a simple calculation, but it's, it's not a very complicated, complicated, uh, uh, computation that's yeah. just looking at what gets disrupted and remember in economics we talk about disruption more than anything because that's the biggest thing that devours demand and demand is the most important issue here we'll still have very strong demand and we won't be able to fill that demand we'll slow down all of the uh, rail driven coal and a lot of natural oh, no. gas goes by rail oh, no. all kinds of things oh that's not good for folks that live in really cold places in the midwest northeast yes, <laughs> Man, they're still digging out 
western New York from like six feet of snow. That's not good news. I hope they have a, first of all, I hope we don't have a strike. But if we do, I hope they have a warmer winter over there because as we have all these recessionary pressures and less spending, people cutting back and a few companies cutting back on their workforce and they're closing up some of those job openings, all those things. You mentioned before, you're, you're expecting definite evidence of a, of a recession early next year. And a strike, I can only imagine a strike would be a, a spark in the wrong place to ignite that fire to exponentially exacerbate the problem when it comes to that recession at the end of the year. Yes, sir, you're absolutely correct, as you almost always are. I'm going to say 99.95%, brother. Hey, I got Rush Limbaugh off. numbers. Woohoo! <laughs> that's, that's, what I was, that's exactly right. But the issue we're looking at here is, it, remember what happened as we came out of the, out of the uh, pandemic when we couldn't get lumber and windows and heating and air conditioning units, and we'll be right back in that same scenario. And part of that is China, though. I mean, we can't repatriate reshore those jobs that America or the Western Hemisphere, a lot of stuff coming in from Asia. We can't do that stuff fast enough to wean right. from that dependence, especially China. They're just crazy. They shut down cities for a month because somebody sneezes or coughs a little too much. Tim Snyder, MatadorEconomics.com. Going through Christmas, the holiday, what do you expect will happen with the price of fuel, there was a, like an OPEC headline on they might increase production, blah, 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 all that stuff. What do you think is going to happen with the price of fuel through Christmas, through through December, going into the new year? I think right now without a, a major driver like a railroad strike, a trucking strike, I think we're going to be seasonal. Sergio, right now is the time where prices should be heading towards their lowest. I'm going to tell you the lowest part of the year generally is first and second week in December, and then we start to trickle back up as we hit to Christmas. But then Christmas starts looking at the spring and what's going to happen when we start look, looking at those the summer blends of gasoline and what demand is going to be for gasoline then. So I think we're going to be at our low point here in about two weeks, and we'll start running up again from there if we don't have a strike. If we do have that railroad strike, all bets are off. What's the plan for Thanksgiving, <laughs> pal? What's, what you're going to do for Thanksgiving? You know, I'm going to sit here and be thankful with my two sons and their families and my five grandchildren <laughs> and just be happy to be in Texas and uh-huh. and proud of my friends down at KURV in McAllen, oh. Texas. I think you guys do a wonderful job. Love you, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. And, of course, watching the Cowboy-Giant game on Thursday. I'm sure, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I hope the Cowboys showed up this last Sunday show up on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, should be fun. All right, be safe, brother. Good to talk to you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Tim Snyder from MatadorEconomics.com. All right, a little headline, another little headline for the day. This one just crossed a few moments back. Hey, this is the Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana. Uh, Twitter at Sergio Talk. Uh, former CEO who lives in the Bahamas, by the way. Do you know that? The former CEO from FTX, that cryptocurrency thing that imploded. Sam Bankman-Fried. Boy, he was real, real generous with other people's money. This dude should run for Congress. Run, you know, be a politician. That's, I think that's one of the job requirements, being really generous with other people's money. Sam Bankman-Fried, former CEO who lives in the Bahamas, sent a, a letter to employees. Was there, is there, like, anybody left at FTX HQ to read that email or get that letter, as they say? He said, I'm deeply sorry about what happened. Well, you made it happen. Moving all that money around, different entities. 
uh, the backdoor money, political donations to all the Democrats, pretty much like 90 some odd, 95, 96, all Democrats, or probably any Democrat, any Republican, or uh, any independent self-proclaimed, probably a squish, believing all the lefty things that, that he funded. He added that he would do anything to go back and do things differently. Man, I hope that this curly-haired mama's boy is dragged before lawmakers. They need to do a post-mortem on this possible Ponzi scheme at FTX. Yeah, he's another one of those individuals that on this day we're supposed to be thankful. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm not thankful for, for this dude. And, and also, speaking of funding Democrats, because it wasn't out of his salary. This dude was taking money in for FTX and had this little slush fund to fund the Democrats on the side of millions and millions of dollars. That didn't come out of his paycheck, did it? I haven't seen any reports that says it came all out of his paycheck. He has a right to fund that, using other people's money to fund all these, all these campaigns. We need answers to that. And speaking of the election, another group of individuals I'm not grateful for, and I love you and I thank you for listening to The Dana Show, but all of y'all self-proclaimed independents, you do the sign of the cross all the time. You don't declare yourself as Republican, as Democrat. Well, thank God you do. You say you are an American. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're American first and, and Democrats, Republican second, if, if you want to put it in, in that order. But I'm not talking to the Democrats. I, Democrats can't help themselves. They're, they're a special brand of leftist, quasi-communist, Marxist stupid these days. And these people, they're just, up, you know, the upheaval of society, they're responsible for it. That's the Democrats. But I'm not grateful for all you independents who voted to send back all those governors and all the senators and all the Congress people in the state legislature, Pennsylvania, Michigan, independence, California, independence, New York, self-proclaimed independence, Nevada, Arizona, the list goes on and on and on. You, my friends, like Dr. Fauci, he proclaims to be the embodiment of science. You guys are actually the embodiment of insanity. All you independents who voted Democrat in this past election cycle doing the same damn thing over and over and over, voting Democrat, expecting things to turn differently. Different results in a time of superinflation, food and fuel and crime and border mess, all that right in front of you. You still voted Democrat. Pop you upside the head. I'm Sergio Sanchez, in for my friend Dana Lash. You're listening to The Dana Show. You want to say hi online uh, on Twitter at Sergio Talk. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Well, I was reading through this story. Red Ford, come back on. First time I see it. Florida Man recovering. He's in the hospital, stable condition. He drank a cup of bleach following his conviction. He's at court. He was convicted on armed robbery charges. Jermaine Bell, he started to chug bleach from a white disposable cup after the jury announced him he was guilty. Wow. Officers brushed over. They tried to get him to spit up the bleach. Uh, that dude, sw- how did, how's that even possible? My goodness. He swallowed this stuff. Um... Rushed him out of the courtroom on a stretcher, took him to the hospital. Like, who gave him that cup of bleach? 
My goodness. I, I, I wanted to insert a, a stupid joke about you know, checking for COVID, see if it worked. But no, it's, anyway, that's about as far as I'm going to get on that one. Um, I'm sitting in the studio here in South Texas. And I know sometimes uh, the Dana show is recorded, pre-recorded, and played on the weekend and the holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Safe Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of the World Cup. we got flat-screen television in here, and we got the World Cup broadcasting. We just, uh, since it's Wednesday afternoon, we just saw España, Spain, uh, spank Costa Rica. It was like 7-0, right, Freddie? 7-0, right? And they got, um, who's, who's playing right now against Canada? Eh? Belgium and Canada. So Friday, uh, I know it's pre-recorded, maybe play on the weekend, but Friday is the U.S. against the Redcoats, against England. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You want to say hi at Sergio Talk on Twitter. This is The Dana Show. Shell from South Texas, I'm Sergio Sanchez in for my friend Dana Lash, hour three of the program. Appreciate you being with us today. And it's Thanksgiving weekend, and if you guys are on the road, you guys have safe travels this weekend. Uh, let me start this hour of the program. I think Steve told me that this individual, Dr. Asish Jean, uh, I think he's at present, I think he's like the COVID response coordinator for the White House. Uh, this doctor is likely to replace Dr. Fauci. Uh, uh, during the show today, uh, I've been talking about people I'm not grateful for it. Again, nothing against them as human beings. Their family loves them, and their kids probably worship them and all that. I mentioned people like Dr. Fauci, Karine Jean-Pierre. I can tell you, you know, I'm not grateful for Joe Biden at all. His, you know, She seems like a nice lady, the first lady, his wife. But, man, she should have warned us how, how incompetent, inept, how sleepy. Um low wattage he is, Joe Biden is, and now he's at the wheel driving the American truck. All these people have been mentioning to people at CNN, the so-called independents, you know, you guys all voted Democrat, <laughs> you guys are the embodiment of, of insanity. Ashish Jean likely to take care, uh, take uh, over for Dr. Fauci. It's cut number eight, Steve, I'll play that one real quick. We need to make protecting our loved ones an important part of the conversation we have around the Thanksgiving table, an important part of the conversation we have in the days and weeks ahead. Just bringing in the same song and dance as Dr. Fauci. We should rename him Hashish Shaw. What is this dude smoking? You're not paying attention. Read the room, son. My goodness. Uh, this at a time, uh, going into Thanksgiving... Where is that poll? Let me see where it is. Here it is, Quinnipiac. Tensions very high. Americans, most Americans, according, again, to the numbers that Quinnipiac ran, most Americans, they don't want to talk about anything controversial at the Thanksgiving table. Politics, number one, right? And with COVID being politicized, the response to COVID being politicized, the state policies, the county policies, the iron-fisted little tyrants that impose their authority on businesses, small businesses to shut down, kids to stay away from schools, all that. I don't need to repeat all that to you. Yeah, COVID is definitely something you don't want to talk about unless everybody's in agreement at the table and say, oh, yeah, Fauci, boy, what an idiot. 
all the, 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 the embodiment of science, the settled science, all the things that we went through, shutting down schools, shutting down business, unless everybody's on the same page, yeah, that's definitely a political issue. Quinnipiac, two-thirds of respondents say that they're hoping to avoid politics this coming holiday. Of course, all this spurred in the mind of little reporter who wrote this, you know, President Trump announcing that he's running for a third term for the presidency. 60%, 6 and 10 Republicans still behind him. There's a lot of conversation related to the nomination and other people running for office, Joe Biden, if he's going to run again, all that stuff. But it seems that two-thirds of Americans would like to avoid politics at the dinner table. So what else are you going to what else are you going to talk? You know, there's always got to be that uncle, always that aunt or that cousin shows up and, you know, brings that MAGA cat with her, with him, just to, just to egg people on. I, whether it's this or, or whether it's the Cowboy Giants game or, you know, the soccer match is going on right now in the World Cup, there's always going to be some type of discords. And I, I was thinking politics is the best way to end, let's say, you're kind of tired already, and you don't want to be with all these people who are your, many of them probably your blood kin, and you haven't seen in, in a long time, and you got that one, you know, great aunt that's just a, a little too aggressive and kissy kissy and huggy huggy all the time. I think one great way to end the dinner, everybody go home, take your own plates, yeah, bring up politics, you know. How about Donald Trump? Who's going to support all? That? That's that's one good way to end the Thanksgiving dinner. Let's see here, other. This online travel guide in the news, I grabbed this one from a different uh, news batch. The Vacationer online travel guide says that Turkey is, of course, in short supply because of avian flu. But Turkey, um, according to a study, 30% of American adults don't like Turkey for Thanksgiving. And of the top three items that people don't like for Thanksgiving, Turkey... Well, maybe it's too dry, right? Maybe it's not seasoned, right? I love the way my wife makes it. She picked up from her mom and friends and through the years. My wife has the perfect, she'll take, she'll take some, you know, to avoid all the mess. Like, what is it? Maybe you're into, I'm not into drumsticks for turkey, turkey day. Yeah, there's too many bones in them, Right. It's like you bite into it. I, I like getting some at the fair. I'll, I'll try to get some of the, the meaty stuff in the middle, but then you get into all these different weird, um, they almost seem serrated, right? It's like all these different bones coming at you, and I throw away. After I get some of the, the flesh, I, I throw it away. I, I just get the, for me, it's just the, the, the white meat, the, the, the turkey breast, maybe a little bit of the, of the skin, but we have a, a grocer here in, in Texas, and you guys may have, may have heard about it. Because um, I know this goes nationwide and around the world. We got this place called H E B, which I lovingly refer to as H E Butt, because the B in H E B is butt. It's the Butt family. Yes, they're the butt of jokes with me. But hey, they got the last laugh. They're like multi billionaires. <laughs> anyway, they they serve like turkey bread, oven roasted turkey bread. It's got all the meat juices in it. My wife learned years ago just grab a couple of those. <laughs> And then uh, she'll reheat them and, and bake them and put, like, all sorts of veggies, green pepper, yellow pepper, red pepper. She'll put uh, a, a little bit, you know, Mexican style, and, you know, we like the more Caribbean type of steak, a little bit of, of sweet mango, uh, put a little bit of lemon, and she'll put just a, a little bit of a, a spicy seasoning, uh, a little bit of, of 
pineapple. Yes, here comes the, you know, don't put pineapple on my pizza crust. Try it. Just put some veggies, some cilantro. Put everything that is wholesome and wonderful. Put some uh, potato in there and then put foil on top of that uh, that tray and, and reheat it. And all the meat juices mix in with all the veggie juices and the pineapple juices, the mango juice. Oh, my goodness, it is divine. Just try it sometime, amigo. I know some of y'all have a, a very, you know, you get brine on it, and you put it in, in the oven. You have a, a perfect way to, to keep the juices in there. Well, Lord bless you. Some of y'all also do the, uh, the frying of the turkey, which reminds me. Here's another little headline. I had, I had a turkey stack here. Thanksgiving weekend, they see an exponential increase, they say. First responders responding to hospital emergencies from fires, they say. Thanksgiving Day, you guys be careful if you guys have those big buckets, big tubs full of that hot oil. You got to be at least 10 feet away from any property, any vehicle, any porch you don't want to burn because this stuff will overflow. I, I've, some of y'all are experts in this, and I, you know, hats off to you. I, I have no idea. I, I would never do the whole – I'll let somebody else do the whole deep-frying turkey thing. I'm afraid I'll tip that thing over or the, the oil will overflow, hit the flame, and then you see that big fire, right? Thanksgiving, doctors, hospital, emergency rooms going to be busy this weekend. One of the news reports uh, gearing up for the annual rush, kitchen accidents, burns, deep fires all over the place. Keep that fire 10 feet away from, um, from your property. Again, back to the vacation or online travel guide. If it's not turkey, though, like they, this, this travel guide said... 30% of Americans, they don't like turkey. And I'm thinking they're probably going to grandma's place where grandma just is a really dry turkey, flavorless turkey. That's, that's why I was telling you about how my wife makes it, infused with all, a little bit of fruit juice and mango and pineapple and all the, the peppers and the potatoes and all those carrots, all those wonders, celery. Oh, my goodness. So the stuffing that she makes is the same thing. The stuffing is with, a, with a celery and carrots and all these other vegetables. It's wonderful. My goodness. I can't. I can't wait. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do a lot of walking this week. Listening to the previous episodes of the Dana shows, I'm walking around online. But this uh, online travel site, 30% of Americans don't like the turkey. Uh, they don't like the cranberry sauce. I prefer the cranberry sauce that has like the actual cranberries, and it's still nice, wonderful, uh, and you know, super reddish and burgundyish. But it actually has a little berries in it. I think this is one. I love cranberry sauce. And the only thing on the list that Americans don't like, according to this online travel site, the green bean casserole. Now, that's the only one I agree with. Man, you should see the spread, the, the Thanksgiving dinner spread here in deep South Texas on the border. Amigos, if you've never tried, if you never tasted a good... Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of y'all who maybe go to a, a Mexican restaurant, you guys haven't gone before. <laughs> you open up the menu and say, hey, hon, I, I'd like to try one of these. Uh, I wonder what this mole is. Mole. <laughs> That's Mexican chili spice. Uh, sometimes mixed with peanut butter and chocolate and, and, and then uh, poured over um, some boiled chicken and some sesame seeds. It's it's divine. My mother had a, the best recipe for that. But uh, also tamales. Or you guys, if you open up a Mexican <laughs> a restaurant um, menu, tamales. 
Try some of those tamales. Tamales. That is standard fare from Mexican kitchens, the Texas Southwest kitchens, tamales all over. From California to Texas, it ain't a Thanksgiving dinner unless there's some tamales, some tamales in that order. So happy Thanksgiving from all the, the Dana Show family. Happy Thanksgiving from my family here in South Texas. I'm Sergio Sanchez filling in for Dana. Hey, stick around. Uh, got a conversation I want to share with you. A little bit after bottom of the hour headlines. Uh, it's a little Thanksgiving gift now that we're opening up Christmas season for some of y'all holdouts. No- normally, my tree, uh, our family tree, goes up right after Halloween. I kid you not, but we've been so busy. I mean, seriously, up to my eyeballs. Uh, my 15-year-old, he's going to charter school. He's got way too much homework. My baby, my 10-year-old, I'm trying to catch him up. My wife is doing all the time. She's busy over at the university. I, we haven't made made the time to put up our Christmas. Usually, you know, we're running way behind. So this weekend, Lord willing, we'll be putting up our our Christmas tree. So as a little Christmas season, a little gift to you, a little stocking stuff for suggestion, Dr. Tom Jones conversation with him on stuff that I, I love this stuff. Anything space related, uh, deep space exploration, the, the planets, the galaxy. I love all that stuff. You know me, I'm, I'm, I love all the Star Trek stuff. All space, I'm a space nerd. I, lo- I love the fact, and I've told you this before, I'm, I'm still pinching myself. I can't believe that Elon Musk set up his SpaceX rocket launch facility in the RGV of Texas, here right next door in Brownsville, Texas. That's where we're broadcasting from. So, Dr. Tom Jones, astronaut from NASA. Uh, his comments on this Artemis One mission. We got that empty capsule that's spinning around the moon, trying to get all this telemetry, all this information, setting up a moon base. We're going to hop skip from that moon base, which will be an international effort to Mars. All that wonderful stuff coming up in just a little bit. And if you have kids or a family member who loves, Anything space exploration related, NASA related, SpaceX related, the planets, the, the galaxy, all this stuff. Dr. Tom Jones, his books, perfect stocking stuff. It's just a little mention for that. So that's coming up later this hour on, on the Dana Show. If you want to say hi online, it's uh, on Twitter. And speaking of Elon Musk, on Twitter, it's at Sergio Talk. This is the Dana Show from her Southern Command in South Texas. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Do as I do and check in um, online through the different sources, different sites, Facebook, Twitter, and, of course, the podcast, the condensed version of the show, The Dana Show, uh, which I enjoy I, I, when I'm you know, taking care of washing my little dudes, like, like breathing equipment on the weekend. They're at the, I'm at the sink there for a couple of hours. Uh, using some of that purified water coming in. Um, I listen to the Dana show, so check in online after every show. Uh, Producer Steve, um, they'll condense everything, and that way you can catch up with all the week's news. And if your radio station that you're tuning into right now, they don't carry Dana live, well, I suggest next time you meet the crew at the station, ask for the PD, uh, program director, say, hey, you need to carry Dana live, because as soon as news is breaking, stuff is happening, yeah, they'll, they'll do a good job covering all that. So, um... Anyway, tune in online to The Dana Show, the podcast version. I'm Sergio Sanchez. I'm in for my friend Dana Lash, and we're broadcasting today's program from South Texas, her Southern Command. If you want to say hi online, you got to use Twitter. It's at Sergio Toy. All right, Steve, well, let's do some headlines. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. 
A reminder as you likely head to the airport, going to see family, go see grandma. Transportation Security Administration reminding people to check those bags. Yeah, I love the Second Amendment. <laughs> Got my firearms, but make sure they're not in the bag, the carry-on bag. Make sure they're not in the suitcase. Reminder from TSA, they're seeing a, a substantial increase in firearms. And most of them, like almost 90% of them, they're loaded. They've been finding them at security checkpoints. TSA saying that close to 90% of the 5,800 firearms that were found at checkpoints at those x-ray sites at the airport, they were loaded. So, yeah, I know you're busy and you got to make sure you carry everything with your medications. Yeah, make sure that that firearm is not in the bag. The White House extending the student loan repayment pause. It's another six months. They will kick it from the end of the year to mid-summer. Mid-summer 2023. Only a few people get that forgiveness, according to Joe Biden, right? So much for equal protection, right? Imagine they provide equal protection. Cancel all the loans. Everybody, everybody forgiven. Oh, and by the way, you guys who got a business loan to start up your business, yeah, you're forgiven too. And you get a loan forgiveness. And you get a loan forgiveness. And you. New home sales on the rise, despite the fact that mortgage rates are like six and a half, seven percent in many areas. Some of the people in in real estate telling me that folks are buying it now because they expect higher interest rates to the start of the new year. Hey, stick around for my conversation with Dr. Tom Jones from, from NASA. He's got a good stocking stuff, a couple of good stocking stuff for books, and he'll talk about the Artemis program, that Artemis capsule spinning around the moon. This is The Dana Show from South Texas. I'm Sergio Sanchez. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If Secretary Mayorkas does not resign, House Republicans will investigate every order, every action, and every failure will determine whether we can begin impeachment inquiry. Yeah, oversight is pretty much the only thing that Republican lawmakers who now control the U.S. House oversight, and since they do control the purse, you know, quote-unquote, funding all these different things, I hope that they're able to improvise pulling the money approved for the 87,000 IRS agents. They're coming after you. You're a small business owner. You're a trucker. you got a small shop, small manufacturer. You're a small business, restaurant, service agent. Yeah, they're coming after you. You know who can afford... Oh, by the way, this is Hour 3 of The Dana Show. I'm Sergio Sanchez. And from my dear friend, Dana Lash, Chris, Dana, hugging a kiss to y'all. You guys be safe. Thanksgiving. My my brother, Sugar Cane, our producer. Producer Steve, big hugging a kiss to both of y'all as well. Thanks uh, for the invite today. The people who can afford the high-powered attorneys and the accountants who charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour to go through all the different assets and all the different revenue and, and, and try to minimize the tax obligation. Billionaires, multimillionaires, small business, 87,000 IRS agents who I hope Kev McCarthy somehow with the power of the purse finds a way to diminish the funding, slow walk the funding for these 87,000. So maybe when the executive branch, and I would hope and pray that 
you, you guys who, who who practice this insanity of you know you guys who are independents who practice the insanity again of voting Democrat thinking you're going to get something else maybe this time you guys will vote more Republicans in at the Senate and at the executive branch and maybe we can pass some laws to do a 180 and the 87,000 IRS agents maybe we can get um, 87,000 border agents or immigration customs enforcement agents who, or the judges necessary to expedite all these bogus, overwhelming majority, bogus asylum claims by all these illegal immigrants who are now in this country getting processed and fire up those planes and send them, politely send them back home. And for the folks who are truly suffering from political persecution or religious persecution by our laws, by our asylum laws and our generosity, protect those people who will be beheaded or executed for their political beliefs or their religious beliefs. Just as based on American law, we need judges, we need agents for ICE, we need agents for customs, we need agents for the Border Patrol. 87,000 IRS agents. You guys are crazy voting for all these Democrats again, sending them all back to your state house, to your governor's house, to the U.S. Senate. You guys are nuts. You guys, you independents. <laughs> My goodness, 87,000 IRS agents, they're coming for small business. Small business owners that are eking out a salary for themselves, for their family, and help wanting to protect their employees. All these business owners are right now, they're grabbing their ankles because their insurance premiums are going through the roof. Some of them going to be dropping family coverage here pretty soon, trying to keep the doors open, trying to keep all these people employed. Everything costing more, 10, 14, 20% for the raw materials or maybe the groceries that they need to produce those pies and those meals on a day-to-day basis. Egg, 20% higher. Meat, you know, 25% higher. All those things. Milk, 14, 16% higher this time last year. Fuel, maybe that, the delivery service, they're paying through the nose. All these small businesses. And on top of that, 87,000 IRS agents on the way to help fleece you, turn you upside down, see how many coins they can take out of your pocket and make sure that... You know, all these people that you called contract workers, though they're actually employees of yours, you need to pay for insurance covers that no longer provides family coverage. All these ridiculous things. Maybe with a power of oversight over those types of expenditures, maybe Kev McCarthy can do that. And yes, yes, as he was talking about the border. I've been, I've been trying to look away. Like, I'm sitting here at the border. The Dana Show Sunday Command is in the RGV of Texas. That's where we're broadcasting worldwide, nationwide to you online as well right now. We're on the border. We, we see it every single day. I got Border Patrol family and friends patrolling the border every single day. And you guys in Arizona of all places, astronaut Kelly, Mark Kelly, goose step marching, locked arms with Joe Biden, whatever the hell he wants. You voted him back into office. Really? Pennsylvania. Fetterman. Really? You guys are nuts. Oh, my goodness. That is absolutely... So the whole border thing, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to the cartels enriching themselves here on the U.S.-Mexican border. Texas Representative Eddie Morales is a new name to me here in Texas. He's one of our state representatives. Saying it like it is. It's cut 12, Steve-O. Who's getting rich from all these illegal immigrants and all this drug trade and all the human smuggling? Go ahead, My that, that was my point to the letter to the governor, that we are doing it wrong by um, incentivizing human smugglers and cartels to continue to cross migrants through the uh, river. What we need to do is use our land ports 
And that'll also protect our Border Patrol, our troopers, and our National Guard. You know we've lost uh, uh, National Guard soldiers. We know that we mm-hmm. have lost many migrants from crossing the river. This would be a much more effective and, and planned program. Eddie, falling a bit short on how business is done day to day. The proper entry point is a land port for anyone seeking asylum. They've tried the land ports, the bridges, the international bridges. The cartels are using the river and the desert and charging thousands of dollars per head, per individual, from the point of origin working with other criminal gangs that collect billions upon billions of dollars in smuggling all these illegal immigrants, and on top of that, the other lucrative trade, which brings all the drugs into this country. And for the white, from the White House perspective, Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, with this Kevin McCarthy visit to El Paso this week, talking about impeaching Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas, so the White House is nothing but a set. It's cut five, Steve. Cut five. I know. I, I've heard that uh, uh, Mayorkas is, uh, pardon me, that um, Kevin McCarthy is at the border. Uh, and, and the question that we have for Kevin McCarthy, uh, who's soon to be, who's soon to be Speaker McCarthy, um, <laughs> you know, what is what is his plan? What is he doing uh, to help the situation that we're seeing? What what is his plan? He goes down there and he does a political stunt, like many Republicans do, that we have seen them do, but he actually is not putting forth a plan, a plan to help us, uh, you know, deal with an issue uh, that we're all seeing that you all are reporting. Her boss needs to enforce immigration law, support the Border Patrol to catch and return illegal immigrants, support immigration custom enforcement, especially the criminal aliens, catch and return them, fire up those airplanes and send them all back. But under this Biden administration, hell-bent on the very first day to do a 182 from a secure border to a wide-open border. And the cartels heard about it, and those illegal immigrant the caravans heard about it, and they're coming. They're still coming. Record numbers. 1.7 million illegal immigrants. 2021 fiscal year. And a portion of that fiscal year, a large portion, was under Joe Biden. 1.7 illegal, or 1.7 million illegals in 2021. 2.3 million illegals. Fiscal year 2022. Again, it ended October 31st. And on the, the first month, two, 230 thousand illegal immigrants in October, setting the pace for another record-breaking encounter with illegal immigrants on the U.S.-Mexican border. That is the Biden border mess. And you guys who voted all these Democrats back in, this is your mess. Thank you. You know, enjoy. The cont- it's yours. It's, it's on you. You had a chance to change course. You didn't. Uh, here before the end of the hour, let's see if I can share with you some of the people I- that I am thankful for, some of the things that I am thankful for. I'll share that with you in just a little, a little bit. Okay, so it's shopping time. Time to shop. Got a great um, idea, some stocking stuffers for those space nerds on your Christmas list. Let's talk about Artemis. Let's talk about going back to the moon and maybe going back to Mars. Go ahead, Steve. Author of Ask the Astronaut. I always love speaking with Dr. Tom Jones, NASA astronaut. I always learn something new with him. Appreciate your time today, Dr. Jones. So Artemis 1. Off and running, headed to the moon. We'll be back in about three weeks. Got some, I guess, telemetry dummies aboard. Artemis 2, though, I don't know when that's supposed to take off, but Artemis 2, that's supposed to have people aboard. Do they get to land on the moon on Artemis 2, or are they just going to circle the moon like Artemis 1? Do you know? Yes. Well, Artemis 2, Sergio, is the next mission up, 
in about two years, probably in the fall of uh, 2024. And it will take an Orion craft around the moon with a crew of four. And so it's the first time astronauts will return to the lunar vicinity and go around the moon since 1972 on Apollo 17. So they won't go into lunar orbit and circle the the moon. Instead, they'll swing around behind it, do a big loop-to-loop trajectory, and then be uh, slingshotted back towards Earth. The mission's going to last a little over a week, about 10 days, I think. Why don't we land, Dr. Jones? I mean, we're there already. Yeah, when you're out that far, you'd like to make the most of the experience, but the lander is not ready. NASA has contracted with SpaceX, that's Elon Musk's company, and their Starship uh, orbital craft to be adapted into a lunar lander. So uh, SpaceX has to show up with the lander and its testing program over the next couple of years. And then maybe by 2025 or six, that lander can link up with an Orion spacecraft near the moon. And then we can do the lunar return on on Artemis three. That's the plan right now. So it seems that we are, um, it looks to me like we're maybe a little bit behind, but seems mostly on schedule, at least to send people to the lunar vicinity in 2024, right? Okay, big picture. If I was talking to you in 2012, we'd hope to be back on the moon by 2020. Uh, so okay. <laughs> we're behind that big picture plan that first uh, was proposed in 2012 or so. But we're 10 years later now, okay. and the rocket development, the space launch system that we saw take off early Wednesday morning, uh, it's it was behind schedule. Orion was, I think Orion was ready, the, the crew capsule. It had one test flight back in 2014, and that's been waiting for the big rocket to come along. So now we're starting to put the pieces together and close on a schedule that everybody understands. So a couple of year interval to assess what we're learning this month from Artemis One, two years to mature that uh, rocket's performance and the Orion craft, put those together, send a crew around the uh, moon, and now we have practice with mission control, controlling a spacecraft with humans aboard at lunar distance. And then you add the next element, which is the, the, the well-tested lander that I hope we'll see in the next two, All three right. years. Author of Ask the Astronaut, Real Astronaut from NASA, Dr. Tom Jones. A moon base is the, after we get all that and we travel and land, a moon base is the objective. How big might it be? What will it do? What will that moon base provide? Because I think that's the springboard to Mars, right? You're right. We, we want to practice living on another world, and the moon is the, the place uh, that's close by where we can live on another planet, harvest its resources, the water at the south and north poles of the moon. I think we'll start at the South Pole with a little lunar outpost, a lot like the Antarctic outposts we have at the South Pole here on Earth. So you're talking now 2030 or later before we start to have a permanent uh, settlement on the moon with our European and Japanese and Canadian partners participating in that. They, They call it a lunar village. And the objective there will be not only to do scientific exploration of the lunar South Pole, but also with the commercial sector, set up lunar uh, ice refining. So we'll melt the ice, turn it into water, that's drinking water. If you break it into oxygen and hydrogen, now you have rocket fuel. So that lunar logistics base at the South Pole will be where we practice how to recover resources on the moon, on Mars, and that will lead to a, a less expensive expedition eventually to Mars. Can you imagine? I'm already thinking ahead and selling some sponsorships for this thing. Can you imagine a sponsorship right for the Moon Village to set up the first uh, 
McDonald's or Burger King or Starbucks or something like that and, and be able to send pictures back. Hey, we're we're on the moon. We got a restaurant for all the international folks that are setting up shop. Yeah, well, you right. remember the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. They had a, a Hilton Hotel in orbit and they had a Pan Am space shuttle. So, you know, this is <laughs> we're only about 60 years too late for that movie. But it's actually going to become a reality. And, you know, the exciting thing to me is that, you know, you have companies like Toyota and General Motors uh, partnering up with aerospace companies to be able to build lunar rovers to, you know, give the astronauts mobility oh, on the moon. Cool. So, yes, the commercial <laughs> partnerships are going to be all important to this. NASA can't do it all on so. Good to hear that there will be plenty of funding, ancillary funding for all this. Dr. Tom Jones, author of Ask the Astronaut, NASA Astronaut, Dr. Tom Jones is my guest. Two things I want to ask you real quick before I let you go. We talk about this every time you and I hook up. Radiation shielding. What advances do you know have been made to protect the astronauts on the trip to Mars? And then I saw this other article, you probably saw it as well a few days back, new propulsion systems being developed, some that are light-based, like shoot a light on some panel and just kick the vehicle forward, or maybe nuclear-based um, type of um, propulsion system to get us to Mars faster and avoid all that radiation. What do you know in advances for those two different systems? Okay, radiation is a serious problem. Uh, you know, a seven- or six-month exposure on the way to Mars would put you over your career limit. Uh, that we currently have in place for astronauts. So we've got to come up with better shielding. You can't make the spacecraft too heavy to block radiation because then it becomes too expensive to actually fly. So you've got to come up with something more innovative. A good shielding material is water or even better liquid hydrogen. So if you wrap the crew compartment with your propellant tanks, that would slow down and stop a lot of the energetic cosmic rays and solar radiation. So that might be one way to package the spacecraft with its uh, fuel propellant and water, water supply tanks wrapped around the crew compartment. Uh, NASA on this mission has some mannequins instrumented to measure the radiation effects uh, around the moon. And we've also tested on the space station uh, astronauts wearing vests and overalls, uh, coveralls made of um, a, a light plastic material, okay. which again is a good absorbent of radiation, but it's not a full protective uh, effect. So I think the best way to solve the problem is to get to Mars faster. Yep. And that's what you alluded to if we can develop in this next 10 to 20 years nuclear reactors in space that can then heat rocket fuel, throw it out the nozzle of the engine, we can get to Mars in half the time. Yeah. And that cuts the radiation exposure issue in half. Okay, and we're making advances in those fields, right? It's happening. NASA, I think, with the Department of Energy, is developing space-based nuclear reactors, first to provide power on the lunar surface to that lunar village, so you have 24-7 electricity. And then that uh, reactor can be scaled up to heat propellant in a in a what's called a nuclear thermal rocket engine. Where do folks find you online, Dr. Jones? Oh, it's astronauttomjones.com. And check out my books like Skywalking, my astronaut memoir. Always good stocking stuffers, people. Keep that in mind. Thank you, Dr. Jones. We'll talk soon. You <laughs> take care. Thank you, Sergio. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You're listening to The Dana Show from her Southern Command in South Texas. You'd like to say hello at Sergio Talk on Twitter. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Happy Thanksgiving, people. You guys be safe on the road. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and we're broadcasting from the Dana Show Southern Command, RGV of Texas. Thank you, Dana and Chris and Brother Sugarcane, Steve, all the gang, you guys at Radio America. Thanks for... <laughs> you guys keep calling. Thank you. We'll keep firing up the studio. And since I spent most of the show today... You know, showering all sorts of criticism on individuals that I'm not grateful for. I think it's only appropriate. I close the program with a, a sappy recognition 
like I'm, I'm sitting at, at the radio uh, turkey dinner table with you right now. And I just want to say, man, I, I'm thankful for um, the Almighty's providence, for Christ Jesus, obedient unto death, paying the price for eternal life, if you believe. I, I'm thankful for, for my wife, my best friend, Delia, for my sons, Noah and Elam, and protection over them our volunteer military, our country, wonderful country, prosperity only a lifetime away. You work hard, discipline yourself in savings, start work hard in school and work. And all you guys working this weekend, hospitals, ERs, Border Patrol, PDFD, bless y'all. Thank you for working diligently throughout the weekend. Well, happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. That's it for the Dana Show today. I'm Sergio Sanchez. You can say hi on Twitter at Sergio Talk.